Father, we praise you this morning and thank you for your word and for your truth. We thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to be here and to worship and to praise and to give you glory. Lord, because we know that you're with us. In every battle, Jesus is with us. Lord, we just turn our hearts and our minds over to you this morning as we pray that the anointing upon your word this morning and that I will speak the words, Lord, that you would have spoken. And we just lift that up to you this morning and we give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You know, um, I ask you a question. How many of you in here have a brain? Oh, some of you don't. That's sad. Thought everybody had one of those. <laughs> the reason I say that, you know, this morning my message is discipline the flesh. You know, I find that whenever I have a sermon like this, it seems like all kinds of things start coming against me. <laughs> and I'm, and, and, but, but you know what? As I was thinking about the one reason made me think about that is that as we were praying pre-service this morning, um, Ray mentioned prepare everybody's brain. And I'm like, okay, prepare their brain. But you know what? And we'll talk about that. Our, our brains need to be cleared out of everything that's going on, all the junk, so we can hear God's word. And so we can receive that. And uh, this morning as we talk about to discipline the flesh, you know, that's something that um, we all struggle with, right? We all have this fleshly body. We all have these thoughts. We all have the enemy coming in and attacking. So I want to read um, scripture to you this morning out of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarded its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and you won't give up. So we have to think about what Jesus faced. When we think things are getting kind of pulling in on us, think about what Jesus faced. And him knowing, you know, Jesus knew exactly what was getting ready to happen. But yet he, he didn't back off, right? He pressed through. He knew that. He had that um, flesh, the, the fleshly reactions. He had that flesh pulling on him and, and going, you know, i got to do this. I'm going to... Um, it's going to be not fun, right? And that we have to have that same thought. There are some things that we do that just not fun, right? It's not necessarily the greatest thing we want to do. So I want to, that was in the New Living. I want to read it to you in the New King James Version. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that he was that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. And I want to back up and says, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So he knew there was joy. You know, we talk about joy coming in the morning. He knew joy was coming in the morning. He knew that whenever that was over with, he'd be with his father from then on. And then he would get to see the work that he came on earth being accomplished. And that's bringing us to him, bringing us to salvation. And that was his purpose, and that's what he was looking for. So I want to mention this, and I'll mention it again later. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we uh, discipline our flesh? How do we come? We look to Jesus. We look at his example. Um, but, it, you know, it, the Scripture doesn't just say strip off every weight or, or lay aside the sin. It says to look to Jesus. But you know what? You got to know who Jesus is to start with. You can't, you can't look to somebody you can't see or you don't know or you don't know anything about him. And so we need to keep our eyes on him. We need to look to Jesus, but we got to know Jesus first. And so we'll talk about that again later. But I just, you know, I was thinking this morning, you know, I think the last two or three weeks, for me, it's been really, really, it's just been loaded with stuff. You know how you have just, it's just like this, 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 this. And, um, I, and I, I go to bed at night going this, 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 this. <laughs> and I'm saying, okay, Lord, I need some sleep. And, and, I, and, and, you know, and for some reason lately, I've been waking up, instead of 5 o'clock, I wake up at 4 o'clock every morning, no matter what time I go to bed. So that's why I try to go to bed early as I can. Because I know for some reason I'm going to wake up. So y'all just pray for that. That Maybe one day I'll sleep past that. But um, it's okay. God is my strength. Amen? I'm not complaining about the things that God has me doing. I was talking to someone yesterday that I went to high school with. And he and I in high school, neither one of us lived for God. Even though we went to church together. We had our things. But it, I was talking to him and he's retired. And I was asking him about, he, he's been going to this church. He said 11 years. I didn't realize it had been that long. I, I knew him, and I knew he would, had been going to church there. And um, they have a, they have, this church has this big celebration every weekend in October. And they have lots of people that come. And so um, I was talking to him. I said, well, you've been helping with that. And he said, yeah. He said, you know what? I told, he said, I told the Lord that if he would allow me to retire from where he worked at, I'll serve you more than I ever have. He said, so I help with that and other stuff all the time. So he said, I've had every weekend full. And, and, and you know, that was really, it's really neat to connect with people that you knew and see where they're at and see that they're, they're living for God. So as we're talking about this this morning, the, the, the thing in that is, is, is our our brains or our mind, is the spirit flows to the mind. In other words, we learn stuff and we learn the word, but the spirit is, communicates that. Well, sin, which the sins that oh, so easily um, besets us, so easily we have to lay aside, that sin obstructs the spirit's flow. If, if you're in, you know, into sin, and, and you know, we have to remember that sin is sin. So sometimes we think, well, we talk about sin. Well, I don't cheat on my wife, and I don't do that. Well, that's, 
that's sin, but there's a lot of other things that we can do. We'll talk about that. So, you know what? Some people, what Paul's talking about here, some people, they've given up. They, they, they just shrug it off as, you know what? Discipline is just impossible. And you know, we all struggle with different parts of discipline in our life, right? Um, eating too much, eat, uh, doing this too much, um, watching too much TV or, or whatever it might be. We all have these little things that we, we like to do. Maybe you work in the yard too much. <laughs> More than you work till you have to fall out and you go to sleep and you don't have time for God. Now we pay people to do that, right? Some people do. I'm not there yet. <laughs> so, um, and sometimes you feel like you're, you're, you're struggling, you're fighting to, to, to get rid of this sin, to get rid of this weight, this thing that's stopping you from totally or fully uh, effectively doing what God has called you to do. And uh, you feel like you just lose one battle after the other. You use one. This is happening. This is happening. I thought I had that. I thought I had that. Well, so I'm going to tell you something. You need to get built up in him because Satan is never going to stop. I mean, and, and that, that one thing that is so hard for you. You know, we all have our different things, but there's some, usually in, uh, in all, most all of us, we have that one thing that's just, Satan knows that. Do you know that? And he's going to poke you there, and he's going to poke you there. I will say this. Until you get your mind renewed to where the poking doesn't hurt anymore. You say, yeah, I know that, but just get away from me. I ain't doing that no more. Say ain't if you don't normally say ain't. I want to read this statement to you. Sin obstructs the Spirit's flow, and only as we rid ourselves of it will the power and the glory of God manifest through us. So we have to rid ourselves of that. You know, it may be one thing at a time that we, t we, we take a hold of. You know, and it, as when I first accepted Christ, there were some things that just, they were easy. Easy to get rid of. I was like, man, that's nothing. <laughs> well, the enemy's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to hit you with this. And I will say this. Satan only has ground where you allow him to. You know, because sometimes we enjoy that little thing a little bit. <laughs> or maybe a lot. You know, whatever it is. And so, kind of, well, you know, that's not that bad. It's just... but. So we ask ourselves, is it really possible to get out of that sin, to get out of that thing? Yes, it is. And you know what? The Word of God will show you how to do it. That's what you need to be a, a student of, the Word of God. And, you know, through this whole thing this week, I was the, the Lord has kind of convicted me of some things like, okay, now you practice what you pe preach, buddy. Think about this. This is something that keeps you from doing your best, keeps you from whatever. you know. And, and so we don't need to allow ourselves. You know, sometimes we blame stuff on Satan, us. 
I mean, he knows it, but when he, whenever you just, you know, you just decided, well, it's not a big thing to do, then he don't have to come after you with it, right? He doesn't have to do that. You do it yourself. So I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their, the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanliness and greediness. That's a big word. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it in um, two more versions first and just stick with me in that. Now in the New Living it says, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life, of, life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. It's kind of explaining what the lasciviousness is. And in the Amplified, it says, So this I say, and solemnly affirm together with the Lord, as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles live, in the futility of their minds and in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls, for their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning is clouded. They are alienated and self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them because of the hardness and intensity of their heart, and they, the ungodly, in their spiritual apathy, have become callous and unfeeling, have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality, eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that their desires may demand. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty heavy stuff. You know, have you ever been around any some people that are like that? I have. And probably at some point in my life years ago, I was that way. So, you know, when you think, when God, when, in this, when, when it's talking about the Gentiles, it's just not talking about a group of people or a nation. It's talking about, it, it's basically in this, in this context, it's a spiritual term that means without God. So he's saying those that are without God, this is where they're at. This is how they live, right? This is, this is the way they are. They don't have any sense of caring. You know, um, I, I mean, I, I've been around people that have the so what's. You ever been around anybody that has the so what's? You know what the so what's are? Well, you don't, so what? What about this? So what? And see, that's how th this whole world, this country in this world has gotten into the place that it is. Because, and, and even in the church, because it creeps in and it creeps in and it creeps in and we don't put our guard up and we don't think we need to do this and we have so much out there to stimulate our minds and to stimulate our brains that we can't even hardly hear from God. We've become a people that are callous. There's a lot of people out there that are callous, even that 
go to church, that are callous, even Christians that are callous to what's going on. Callous. They're, they're not renewing their minds. They're not allowing the Spirit of God to, to reach their minds. See, we, we as Christians, we're, we're born of His Spirit, right? That's how we get born again, of His Spirit. And we have His divine nature, according to the Word. And Paul is saying, he's saying that in this, he's saying, okay, you're born of the Spirit. You're, you're, um, you have God's divine nature. So quit living like you're without God. You have all this. You have this gift. You have this power that lives inside of you. So quit living like everybody else. Quit living like you're without God. Like you don't even know God. See, I think some of the problem is, is there's a lot of people in a lot of places where Jesus is just, just an attachment. You know, if you buy certain things, you get attachments. Like you can buy a, a tractor and it has, you can get all kinds of attachments for tractors now. Ones that dig holes, one that, that does this and one that cuts grass. You can just do all kinds of things. You can buy more attachments. You got your car. You can get all these accessories for it and all these attachments. And unfortunately, Jesus has become an attachment to a lot of people. Oh, I just, you know, oh yeah, I got Jesus. Is he still there, trapped in your hand? <laughs> or is he inside of you being released? Hmm. We're supposed to be create, we're supposed to be controlled by our spirit, man. Not our flesh. And that's a battle we go into. And we're disciplined in this flesh. We only can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And we're not supposed to be dominated by our carnal mind. Dominated by those fleshly lusts. Those things that we want to do. We, we, we see to do. And you're, The Word says that your natural mind is enmity with God. Right? It's against God. It's, it's, it's against God. Your normal, natural self is against God. And we're born that way. Did you know that? When we, people look and say, oh, that innocent little baby. Well, I'm going to tell you, unfortunately, that baby's not innocent. They look innocent, but they are born with that inside of them. And until they meet Jesus Christ, that's the way they are. We start out being selfish. Wah! Some of us are still going, wah! <laughs> Never leave that. So you start out that way, guys. And I'm not being mean. Well, you're just talking about little babies. I'm telling the truth. The Word of God says we're born that way. But when you're born again, then you're in harmony with Jesus. You, 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 you begin the transformation, and hopefully you'll, you'll do as, as Romans 12, 1 and 2, 1 says, to renew your minds, transform yourself. And always begin to let God change the way you think. You're not born to think that way, guys. No matter what you think, no matter if you're born into a Christian family that's been Christians for 400 years, you're still born in the sin. 
That's who you are. I didn't know I was going to be talking about babies this morning. <laughs> but, but, but we need to realize that, guys. So Satan leaves, leaves, uses this lasciviousness to put pressure on us. He wants to pressure our flesh so that our flesh will dominate and separate us from God. You know, the enemy's not happy that you got born again. And he's not just, he, he's upset. And so his, his, his life's, his goal is not necessary is not to kill the flesh, it's to increase the flesh. And if he can make you stumble, if he can make you fall, if he can make you be a bad witness to somebody, that's what he wants. That's his goal, guys. He'd rather do that than just take you out. Because if he takes you out, he knows you're going to be with Jesus. So he gets no gain out of that. He wants you to be guided by the vanity of your mind, by your flesh. So, um, and he wants you to be separated from the nature of God. There's the natural, and then there's the nature of God. And this mind is the ground for Satan's seed. Seeds are planted in your mind, either from your spirit, either from God, either from the word, or from the enemy. And that's where seeds grow, is right here. Right down in there. So this word, lasciviousness, means having no restraint. Think about what's going on in our world today. There's no restraint. The sky's the limit, guys. Do what you want to do. There used to be a song. I was like, is he going to sing again? He said, do what you want to do with whoever you want to do it with. I mean, think about that. You know, that was an old song. That was, you know, I guess 60s maybe. So it, this thing, listen, what's happening today is not new. <laughs> it's been going on for the whole time earth has been here. Since Adam and Eve fell, it's been going on, guys. It's just in different realms. It's in different ways. Uh, and it may be intensified in some ways because of, of TV and technical stuff and social media. It's just out there for everybody instead of just in that area. But it was happening in our little areas. Believe you, I was raised in a small community and it was there. Right? But there was no way to tell everybody about it like there is now. See, this word has been preached as extreme immorality. But guys, it doesn't start that way. It's just little things that creep in, that the enemy pulls in and creeps into you, that pulls into you. And you know what? It's just a few little innocent thoughts that pop up and say, well, you know, it's just little things. Little things turn into big things. Little seeds grow into big things, right? Think about the mustard seed we talked about a few weeks ago. It's a little itty-bitty, teeny-weeny thing. And you plant it in. 
It grows into a big tree. Then it says the birds even nest in it. So it grows and grows. Lasciviousness, it comes um, in many different packages. But they all have the same result, destruction. It all has the same result. So guys, that's why it's important that you protect what comes into your spirit. You protect what comes into your mind. And, and this word in the New Living, it's translated as lustful pleasure. And the New King James is, is translated as lewdness. And in the Amplified it says unbridled sensuality. So Satan's plan is to pressure you into yielding to the weakness of your flesh. That's his plan. If he can get you to do that, you're on the way. And then that weakness will begin to dominate you. So that's the way he can defeat you, as I said before. If he can get in there and he can get you to allow this weakness to control you, and not the Word of God, and not the Spirit of God. You know what? What happens a lot of Christians can begin to live just like the world. There's no difference. And when you say, tell people, oh, I got Jesus, and they see you doing all this stuff, they're like, well, what does that mean? You're no different. You just go to church, and you, have, you say you have Jesus, so where can I buy it? Where can I get it? I'll just get it and stick it in my pocket just like you do, and then I'll be all right. Well, that's sad. It's sad but true. Sad but true. So, when it said in there who being past feeling or, or uh, dead to shame or to have your conscience seared until it's no longer effective. You know, there's talks about your conscience being seared. Your conscience is that little thing that kind of says, but you know, some people don't have a conscience anymore. It's been seared. You ever had anything seared? You ever picked up a hot cup of coffee and sear your tongue? You can't taste anything the rest of the day hardly, right? <laughs> my, my granddaddy, I don't, I think he did it. I, I guess he could still taste, but he could drink the hottest coffee. My dad is kind of that way. My dad gets a cup of coffee, puts it in the microwave, and heats it another minute. My granddaddy kept his percolator. You don't remember them old silver ones with a little glass thing on top? Some of you don't remember that. <laughs> sitting on the top of their heater that heated the house, sitting in the middle of the floor, and that thing was just steamroll out of it. He'd pour it like this and steam's just going everywhere and it never even fazed him. I can't quite do that. I like it hot, but not that hot. But searing can make you numb to things. And I think that's what was him. He just never felt that hot. It's kind of like if, you know, people like hot sauce and I do too to a certain extent. But when it's so hot, 
that when I eat it, I can't taste anything else. It's too hot. Right? Some say, no, it can't get too hot. I know a fellow that he's that way. I'm like, mm-mm. So, having no restraint, being seared, having your conscience seared to the point of it, nothing bothers you. Did you see what you just did to them? Don't care. Ain't hurting me. You ever heard that? It's not hurting me. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reason and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. This is Paul talking. This is how we do this thing, guys. We use God's weapons. And in the the Passion, it says it this way. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God. Yes. And break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. Listen, all these things are raising up their defiance against God's knowledge. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one, who is Jesus. If your mind is not renewed to God's word, you will never be totally free of lasciviousness or of unrestraint. So that's the key, guys. Renewing your mind to know God's word. You know, when you, you, you do that, your conscience is alive and your, your mind knows what God's word says. So when something comes up or a temptation comes up or somebody comes up with some new temptation, there's probably no new temptation. It's just a different angle. But when it does, your, your mind immediately goes, wait a minute. That's not right. You ever been somewhere and done something? He's like, something's just not right about this. Well, that's the way your mind ought to be. It ought to be in tune to God's word when something happens. Something's not just exactly right about this. You know, when you, which nowadays it happens. You know, if you, if you decide to actually to answer that weird number that just called you, now it's numbers that are just like yours almost. Before, and you answer it, and they start saying something. You say, like, there's something just not right about this. You know, I had a guy call me one time. This has been several years ago before this got so rampant. And I'm coming down the road, and I was on my, he calls, and I answered because it was a local number. That was when that first kind of started happening. I'm from Publishers Clearinghouse, and you have won the big prize or whatever, and we've got this, and we've got a car, and all this. All I need is a little information. All I need is your address and your numbers and your personal stuff and I'm like well I think you already have that because you called me so just bring it on no you don't understand I said first of all I didn't enter any publishers clearinghouse thing and I second of all if you got my number you got my info so bring it on and I just hung up well that was something just not right about that wasn't it (laughs) so we need to be the Bible says wise 
as serpents, as innocent as doves. So we need to have our minds keen to the fact that any little thing that's off, we, wait a minute. Something's just not right about that. So if we continue to allow these thoughts of the flesh or these carnal thoughts to come into our minds, then guess what happens? Look at this statement. Carnal thoughts produce carnal actions. Right? What goes in must come out. What's that old saying? Garbage in, garbage out. And you know, well, garbage has to come out because gar garbage starts stinking. Right? It starts leaking out the bag. <laughs> so you want to get it out, right? Whatever's in you is what's going to come out. And you might not think it stinks, but somebody else might. And if you don't renew your mind to God's word, you'll never be free of this stuff. Right? If you don't renew your mind to God's word, this stuff will continue to happen and you'll never be free from it and you'll not understand why sometimes. You know, I know people that, well, I'm saved, why? Well, how much time do you spend in the word? How much time do you pray? How much time do you read? Well, I don't have time for that. Well, guess what? Nothing's going to change. See, if... There has something changed, and that's been your spirit has been reborn. And most of us start out pretty good, right? When we accept Christ, we start out gung-ho, ready to go. Let's take the world on. And they used to say, you have that little, um, what did they used to call it? I'm trying to remember. Um, honeymoon time. When everything seemed to be going right, you didn't think the enemy was ever going to attack you anymore and all that kind of, and then all of a sudden, it starts creeping in. It starts creeping in. And that's when we need to recognize it. That's when we need to, as Barney Fife used to say, nip it in the bud. Don't wait till it becomes something big and then say, well, I got to get, I got to stop this. I got to get out of this. Listen to this statement. Lasciviousness finally erodes the life of the born-again believer until he appears to be no different from an unregenerate man. No difference. I don't want somebody looking at me and saying, well, he's no different. He can't restrain himself. He still, you know, throws things at people. You know, I had a challenge. See, I was telling you, these challenges come up. And there's a guy I know that's really good at this, but he won't help me. But there's door closers. And we got a, about three of them that just don't work good. So I ordered some new ones. And a guy helped me put one in one time, but I can't get him to help me anymore. But anyway, I was working on this one, and it has been something else. I can't even get it totally mounted. <laughs> but it's going to bow. Something. Sometime. And I talked to this guy today about that. And he's like, nope. I gave that up a long time ago. <laughs> That's one of those things. That's one of those um, things he just don't need to be messing with because he might get into this stuff here. So, so, so um, we got to realize that there are going to be challenges. 
to us. So Matthew 12, 34 through 37 says, You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Let me bring this in a little perspective. Whatever you say will prove, <laughs> are you really walking in the Spirit? Or are you not? Are you, do you really have a renewed mind or do you not? The things that come out, the way you do things, the way you treat and, and, and listen, guys, I'm saying this. It's not because I got this thing down pat, right? I mean, I have to drive on this road out here around here. Unrestrained thoughts result in unrestrained actions. So if you don't have any restraint, it's just like a horse, Mike. If you never teach him and he never has any, he's never going to just do it, right? They'll never just do it. They'll never just walk up one day and Mike could get this new colt and gets old enough to start riding. He just walks up and the colt says, you know, jump on my back. Let's go. That ain't going to happen. I don't guess. Have you ever seen one do that? Just like anything. You get a puppy. They're just going to do what you want them to do, right? You get a child, they're just going to do what you want them to do, right? No. So what happens with this is Satan, he begins by planting a thought in your mind. It's just a simple thought. No big deal, just a little thing. But it's a thought you don't need to entertain. Even though it seems harmless, you know, well, you know. But when you begin to just not restrain it and let it go, the thought becomes bigger and bigger, right? And it grows into something bigger and bigger. So you will speak and you will produce exactly what's in your heart. I don't know where that came from. Well, guess what? It was on the inside of you. I said, like, Pastor Bill, don't say that. It's true. It was on the inside of you, right? So it came out. It don't just come out of the blue. So what do you do? You restrain your thought life. Learn to take hold of your thought life. Learn to allow the Spirit of God begin to renew your mind. Romans 12, 2. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. I don't have it up there, so don't look for it. I want you to, sometimes I just want you to listen. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but inwardly transform. In, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Change the way you think. This will empower you to discern God's will 
as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. See, when, he, when you're doing that, you're, you're, you're exuding who Christ is, who Jesus is. When you're living that, when you're renewing your mind, you change the way you think. You know, and we get, we start thinking bad stuff even after we become Christians or things that aren't great. And we have to change that. I mean, it would be nice if when we accept Christ, we never had to be concerned anymore. Everything changed. All your thoughts, all your flesh. I mean, it would be, but we'd be spirit beings in and then we, we wouldn't be here. But it doesn't happen that way. And we have a part in this, guys. We have a part in this. It, he, Paul said, for you to renew your mind. For you to change the way you think. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. It's all about the rudder. It's all about who we allow to control us. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. In other words, we're not trying to keep a bunch of laws. But when we have... Controlled by the Spirit, and when we have renewed our mind, we can do the right things. We can focus on Him. So again, I say, look to Jesus. Pastor Bill, how do I do that? Look to Jesus. Look at His model. Look at His Word. He is the Word. Because the Scripture says, it doesn't just say to strip all this off. It tells you how. Look to Jesus. Renew your mind. Change the way you think. Let the Spirit control your life. Not the flesh. Not the nature. And you know what? We will get, one of the things we gain out of all that is peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that you have when nobody understands why you can have peace or how you can have peace. You know, we should be able to have the peace of God. We should be able to walk in his peace no matter what's going on. I don't mean you got to be happy about it, but you can walk in peace. Knowing there's another in the fire. There's somebody in the water with you. I want to say, inject this in here too, also as I get ready to wrap it up. I, I want to, I, I just wrote down some scriptures real quick and y'all can, you can write them down and not on anything you got. I'll make a little check in here. One of the thought, those thoughts, it's just not about doing things that are wrong. Did you know one of them is called worry? 
Matthew 6, 31 and 32 says, So don't worry about these things. And he's talking about what you eat, what you drink, you know, all these things that you need. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for that to dominate me. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. And we have to trust Him to provide what we need. I'm not talking about the excessive stuff that you don't need. I'm talking about what you need. Sorry, that doesn't mean you're going to get a new car next week. But it does mean you're going to get supplied what you need. And if you need a new car, you'll get supplied a new car. Right? Some of you are quiet. Then Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is what we're created to be, is to be like God. And that's why we have to let the Spirit renew our thoughts. That's how we have to let the Spirit of God renew us. Through his word. Philippians 4 8 and says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. So I want to give you one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts on the word of God. Fix your thoughts on these things, not on the other things. In other words, Another word for fixing your thoughts. In other words, change your thoughts. Set them. You know, you, can, you know how you get fixed on something? You ever been around somebody and they just all of a sudden see something and they're not paying you a bit more attention than anything and they're just fixed on that and you're like, what are you looking at? You want to get around beside of them and see what's going on? They're fixed. If we're fixed on the things of God, if we're fixed on these things, guess what? These other thoughts can't penetrate. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive, and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. If we allow the Word of God, if we read the Word of God, study the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, guess what will happen? It'll go in there and tell you, these are your thoughts and desires. This is what you need to get rid of. This is what you need to keep. It, it, it will go in and it will change those things. But it can't do it if you read the Word every Sunday and that's it. Or every once in a while. Or when you get in trouble. Oh, I better get the Bible out. Where's it at? So John six sixty three, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. And in the New Kings James, it says it this way. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 